Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Blindsided. Nothing personal word of the day. It is Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. Has there ever been a word of the day on nothing personal? In 867 episodes, this is the most predictable word of the day we've ever had. It is the biggest story right now for me in sports. What happened yesterday when word came out that the dream the fantasy that we have, the feel-good story of the movie The Blind Side, the Academy Award for Sandra Bullock, who recently lost her partner to a devastating disease, ALS, the great story of Michael Orr, the football player, being brought from the dregs of the streets into a home of rich white people, making it to the NFL with this firecracker of a woman by his side and a loving brother and sister, a mixed family of happiness. Except we've heard over the years that Michael Orr was never so happy about the blind side. We heard that he didn't like all the attention. He wasn't necessarily pleased to be portrayed as a player or as a person who some would argue, does he have special needs? Is there some sort of intellectual disability here? Seems a little slow, but it was a movie. That was the drama. That's what brought us in. So many times we watch movies and we want it to be real. The biggest example in my lifetime of a movie that we all watched and said, oh my God, I get it now, oh no, it's not all true, was the Oliver Stone movie, JFK. If you've never seen that or don't remember it, that's a movie that came out and we said, all right, no more discussion about Lee Harvey Oswald and whether or not he acted alone. We've got this cleared. Movies are based on true stories. That's the legal word that's used. It's This is based on a true story. Some of it happened, some of it didn't. And then in little letters, it gets absolutely blown over on the credits. Some scenes have been fictionalized or dramatized for the purpose of time or for the purpose of entertainment. But the blind side, we said, no, no, this is all good. And how upset we were when Michael Orr said, well, that's not me. That's not really a good reflection of me. But we were okay living with that. But then yesterday, shattered. Michael Orr claims that he was never adopted by the Tui family, that the entire premise of the movie was fake. And instead, he was Britneyed. When I read it, I couldn't believe it. Britneyed is a verb. 
conservatorship, what her father did to her, she's now free. Query, should she be free? If she is free, is it helpful? How's she doing? How's her mental state? Another topic, another time. Conservatorships are a legal way of protecting people from themselves. Conservatorships are when a court decides that somebody needs to control somebody else's finances or the skill and talent that they have that can be monetized will be squandered. Michael Orr is claiming in a lawsuit, he filed an actual petition in Tennessee, in probate court, saying, hey, the Tuies never adopted me. And as a matter of fact, they tricked me into signing a document which gave them all power over my finances and over any money I could get. And wouldn't you know it, I signed away my life rights and I didn't see one penny from the blind side and they've gotten rich. Talk about striking a nerve. This was full operation when your tweezers hits the side, the red nose goes off and it doesn't stop. It gets jammed in the on position and you can't get that noise to stop if you know you know. Because we couldn't stop talking about this story and reading about everything. And the family had no choice but to respond. In the absence of communication, the only voice would have been Michael Orr and his petition. And the family immediately convened their PR group, their people, their crisis management team, and said, okay, we need a three-point plan. Sort of like a three-point stance in football. We need a three-point plan. We got to get people talking. We're not going to have Liang talk quite yet, but let's start with the dad, Sean. And then we got to get the son because the son's a sympathetic character. is best friends with Michael. Loves him. That part's true. Let's make sure we get it out there that yes, it is true that it's a conservatorship, but the reason is that you can't adopt somebody 18 and older. Well, let's try something else. The reason is that he couldn't have gone to Ole Miss. Really? That's the best they want to come up with. How about a third one? We're already rich. We didn't get rich off the blind side. Good one, except that can be proven to be true or false. And there's already conflicting numbers out there about what the father is saying they've made about, made about what the son is saying they made. There is no conflict about what Michael Orr has made off the blind side, acknowledged that he didn't get any money. This is not a producer issue. There are people who have contacted me and said, wow, how would the producers let this happen? I draw your attention to the Academy Award-winning movie, Slumdog Millionaire, fantastic movie. Why don't you go find the little Indian children in that movie and ask them how much money they made? Fun to bring them in tuxedos to the Oscars. We're years later, let's see whether or not they're in squalor anymore. When movies are made, this is not their job or business to change 
the situation of their subjects. We believe that it happens because they're frozen on screen in a certain moment, or there's attention given during that season's award march, but then everyone leaves. It doesn't mean that the movie business is a bad business or they're not morally proper or they're corrupt. It's just how business works. Think about the Olympics. Think about all the attention of the World Cup. Not too much focus on the stadiums in Doha now, right? So what do you do if you are the Tui family and what do you do if you're Orr? People are criticizing Orr saying he knew this whole time. Or is saying, I only discovered this in February when I started thinking, why haven't I gotten money for the blind side? But we've known he's been complaining about the blind side for years. It just occurred to him now, his PR people had an answer to that. He was focused on his football career. Horse hockey. Everything going on in this story is true horse hockey from every perspective. Where I am most angry though, is at the Tui family because they watched this unfold. They do speaking engagements. They have ridden this blind side fame for all that it's worth. Strung it out, continue to string it out as would anybody in that position, knowing that it's a lie. Then I started thinking about Misha and the Wolves, the movie I saw where the woman claims to be a Holocaust survivor and was lying the whole time, claims to have escaped through a forest and become a wolf whisperer. Lies. But if you tell yourself something enough times, and I know, think about this. I know you have something like that. We all do. You tell yourself something enough times and it becomes true. We are all part of the movie, Big Fish. Each one of us in our lives has something which is based on truth, but is not entirely true. So while we can all be shocked and blindsided and upset about what's happening with Michael Orr and his adopted family, conservatorship, family. I think the more important take here is recognizing the amount of times that we participate in what we assume to be feel good stories or victimless crimes. The reason that we do is we want to believe in rainbows and unicorns. We want to believe in happy endings because that's what's presented to us. We see it on screen. It's fake. We see it on social media. It's fake. But we all want to believe that what is out there is better than what's in here. So it makes us look at things through rose colored glasses. And then when we are reminded of the reality, blindsided by the reality, we are forced to recalibrate and that makes us uncomfortable. The act of recalibration by definition makes you uncomfortable, which is why so many people choose not to do it. It's like travel. 
this story will go away and we will watch another biography or autobiography. We'll watch another story about a great coach, a great player, an underdog story, and we'll get sucked right back in with reckless disregard toward the truth because we all want to believe. I'm not shaken by this story. I wanna say that I'm not surprised either, but I was because I'm like you. I wanted to believe that it was all true and that they loved each other and that they had Thanksgiving dinners together and that there was no nefarious behavior or thoughts and that it wasn't about money. Sean Tui says, I'm rich. <laughs> what do I need Michael's money for? Well, I think we know that rich people wanna be richer. Plenty of rich people engage in activities to make themselves unjustly richer. It's gonna be interesting to find out what we do now and what becomes of this petition because this could go all the way to the movie business about profits, about all the arguments. John Cusack has said, hey, I was in a movie that made a ton of money and I was supposed to get back end profits. I didn't get a thing. It goes all the way to the strike right now with SAG and with the writers. So I guess it's true that all of these things all come down to just money. Thank God. What show would we have if everyone did stuff based on emotion and if everybody loved everybody? God, that'd be boring. If nobody did anything wrong, what questions would we ever have about anything? Speaking of questions, Coca, let's go early in the show today and let's go to one of your questions right now. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get in my Twitter at David P. Samson. Hit follow. Get into the DMs. Go on our new website, davidsampsonpodcast.com. You can buy merch. You can shop for merchandise. It's pretty good stuff. So you want to talk to Samson. Hey, David. Love the show. Thank you. I listen daily. Thank you. If a player is put on the restricted list for any reason, but then later it's found out that he didn't really need to be placed there. For instance, there was a false accusation. In parentheses, this person said, I'm by no means saying Wander Franco has been falsely accused, but he, this question came about because of Wander Franco. Would the player get their lost money back? Thank you for asking this question. There has been a lot of confusion and I wanna clarify it. There are conflicting reports out there. Is Wander Franco being paid right now? Wander Franco is on the restricted list, not the administrative list. On the restricted list, players do not get paid. Is there an exception that's been made and a side deal that's been made by the union and Major League Baseball regarding Wander Franco? We don't know, no one knows. Some people think he is getting paid. Some people within baseball tell me he's not getting paid. I am not an investigative journalist. I am not here to report news. I'm here to comment on it. I'm not here to make news. 
I'm here to give you my perspective on existing news. The fact is my experience tells me that not only is Wander Franco not being paid, but also he's not getting service time. But to answer your question directly, if he is taken off the restricted list, he then starts getting paid. But there can be a negotiation that once off the restricted list, the player would then be paid for the time on the restricted list because anything could be negotiated with the labor union. Generally, players on the restricted list do not receive back pay once they're off the restricted list. So an example, the restricted list for paternity leave. These lists that we talked about yesterday and Coke and I talked about after the show, Wander Franco did not go to San Francisco with the team, but the team has to do something with him. Either putting him on the injured list, not gonna do that. Concussion protocol, not gonna do that. Restricted list, that's done with baseball. That's a possibility. The administrative leave list, that's a possibility. The separate paternity list, that's a possibility. But he's gotta be put somewhere. You don't just not play. So Major League Baseball, worked with the union, told the Rays that they were gonna put him on this restricted list, but they've got to do the investigation because there are so many sides to the Wander Franco story. Is the girl 14 or 19? Was there a relationship between Wander Franco and the girl? If she's under age, consent can't be given, so that's a crime. What are the local authorities doing in the Dominican? Does baseball need to wait for the Dominican authorities to do their investigation or can they complete their own investigation, interview their own witnesses without subpoena power and then punish Franco the way that they punished Bauer when there were no criminal charges brought against Bauer? How do you get the union to agree to the punishment? Do the Rays want to terminate the contract that they've signed with Wander Franco, 11 years, 182 million? Do they wanna terminate it for cause? Or do they wanna just release him? From the Rays standpoint, they want it to be a totally different Wander Franco who did it, or they want proof that this girl is over 18. They don't want this issue. Believe me, no one wants to be involved with any any situation with a minor. Worse than domestic violence is how front offices view a sexual relationship with a minor. We don't get into the compare game. We don't get into what is the best of the worst or the worst of the best, but in front offices, you do have the discussion. I've had many discussion where I'm ranking behavior. This may sound absurd to you, but the reason why we have discussions ranking behavior is that we are hoping to have consistency with punishment and rule enforcement. A player misses a spring training workout to film a commercial versus missing a regular season game to have a baby. 
everything in between. A player has a DUI versus a DUI that involves crashing the car and someone gets hurt versus someone gets killed versus being a drug addict versus being a sex addict versus missing the cutoff man versus not knowing the signs versus being tardy and missing the team plane. We would talk about all of the things from the worst of the worst, the easy one, charged with the crime and found guilty of murder to car got stuck in traffic on the way to the ballpark. The reason why you have to go through all these scenarios is you have to plan in advance. You have to have the tools ready to deal with any issue that confronts you during the course of a day. And when you run a business or a sports team, you have people in your business. Issues happen every single day. Not all of them are pleasant. And the discussions are always confidential because planning these things is difficult, but required. It's sort of like studying for something, like a test. It's really hard or training for a race. It's hard to do, but if you're gonna be prepared, then you have to do it. This Wander Franco situation, as we told you yesterday, is developing. You will hear drips and drabs because the union has incentive, Wander Franco has incentive, the Rays have incentive, and Major League Baseball. They each have incentive to get information out there. And they each have incentive to get their own agendas out there. Baseball, we don't want distractions and we will not permit players to act this way. The union, we will not allow for players to be punished without due process. The Rays, we've got a chance to win this season. We wanna get rid of the distraction somehow, somewhere. Wander Franco, I don't wanna lose 182 million. Everyone's got their own side. Everyone's got their own plan. Everyone's got their own PR plan, their own agenda. We will continue to follow this story because it's not done yet. All right, let's take a break. I watched a movie last night that I can't wait to tell you about because I want you all to watch it. And then we're gonna get to Justin Verlander and some of the crazy stuff going on still in New York, both on and off the field. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Matthew Koch and I are with you every day, 8 a.m. Set your clocks to it. Greenwich does. 8 a.m. DavidSampsonPodcast.com. Check out the website. We've got clips. We've got the full shows. We've got merchandise you can buy. Thank you for the orders. When it, Coco, you never told me yesterday. When are we going to release our first new shirt design with our new interesting concept that we think you're all going to buy and love. I wonder if you can guess it. All right, we're going to do a contest here. The first person to get on davidsampsonpodcast.com and email us with what you think the first specially designed t-shirt will be. If you get it right, you get the shirt for free plus another bonus. No purchase required, but get on davidsampsonpodcast.com and get to me with what you think, and Coke and I both see this, the first new t-shirt design will be. In the meantime, thank you for supporting our show and for telling your friends about it. Spread the word. New people are coming on board every day. We love that and we wanna keep going. We're coming for you, Dan. The Thief Collector. It's a movie that I just rented on Amazon for $3.99. It's about an art heist. If you don't know the artist to Kooning, don't worry about it. University of Arizona in Tucson had a painting stolen in 1985, bummer. And it got returned 30 years later. Amazing. Where was it? It was in somebody's bedroom. The Thief Collector is the story about the people whose bedroom this painting was in and how then it was discovered after they died, spoiler alert, and how there's still good people in the world and how there are still bad people in the world and how sometimes you can't tell the difference. That is the crazy part of not just the thief collector on Amazon, but of people in general. How disconcerting it is for a family to be blindsided when they have been surrounded by loved ones their whole lives, and then they find out that their loved ones were nothing as they pretended to be. It's sort of like the movie True Lies, since life can be lived through a movie. When you wake up and realize, well, I've been married to a guy in the CIA. He never told me. What a jerk. Why don't I just join the CIA too? Can you imagine if your father or grandfather or aunt or uncle were a career criminal and you had no idea until after they died and then you are confronted with the facts and then you question everything? 
It's like the ultimate gaslight. The thief collector. It is well worth your time and money, and your time is worth more than the $3.99 for this 95-minute documentary. And for those who don't like when there are reenactments, trust me, you will love this. The Thief Collector. When we trade players and when we break up a team, we want to get the narrative out there as much as possible that we traded a turd or that the team wasn't going to win with the players who we had. So my line always was, it's not like we broke up the 27 Yankees. You can go back and Google it. I've used that line so many times. I love it. Our team never won 81 games with Stanton, Yelich, and Ozuna, which is hard to imagine. So when they were traded, although I didn't trade them, but when we did something to lower the payroll, whatever we did, hey, we never won 81 games. We're not the 27 Yankees. The Mets broke up their team by trading Scherzer and Verlander. Scherzer, who, by the way, went seven shutout innings last night. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim are really in trouble. They're done. D-O-N-E. They tried. Good for them. Scherzer pitches a great game for the Rangers. Verlander has been pitching well for the Astros. Astros and Rangers are still duking it out in the AL West. Both will make the playoffs for sure. Justin Verlander, out the door, has been nothing but positive. But the Mets need to have the narrative out there that, hey, Scherzer and Verlander didn't like each other. Then they wanted out there that Verlander was actually a diva, so we had to trade him. We were better off trading him. Why? Why are unnamed Mets talking to Matt, Mike Puma of the New York Post about Verlander? Saying he was detached from Mets teammates, didn't like the analytics department, said it was worse than the Astros analytics department. Why are you putting that out there if you're the Mets? Because they need their fans to believe that they know what they're doing, that their plan is the right plan. If I'm Justin Verlander or his PR people, I'm letting it go. Don't respond. Or if you're gonna respond, make sure you do it like this. And Verlander chose the latter course and nailed it. He released a statement I want to say that I have nothing but respect for the Mets organization and I enjoyed connecting with all of my teammates this season, new and old. It truly was a wonderful group of people. That being said, we all know the success of a team is made up of more than just the players on the field. Everyone's input is valuable. I'm sorry to hear that a staff member took offense to constructive criticism on how we could improve but I wish nothing but the best to the Mets moving forward. He almost had it nailed. Verlander's statement was on point until he brought up, I'm sorry to hear that a staff member took offense to constructive criticism on how we could improve. There is no reason to impugn your former team and expect no reaction to be forthcoming. 
Who started what, where, and when? Did Verlander criticize the analytics department on the way out the door and then the Mets had to respond? Did the Mets respond to the trade by making you all believe that they did not need Verlander or want him and him being a pain in the ass? Everyone within baseball knows that Scherzer and Verlander don't get along. That wouldn't stop me from signing one of them. There is no doubt that the Verlander signing was a knee-jerk reaction to losing DeGrom to Texas, and they immediately signed Verlander to the $43 million a year deal. There is no way that Verlander was going to get more than Scherzer. Scherzer wouldn't allow it. There's no way that Verlander was going to start opening day. Scherzer wouldn't allow it. And there's no way that Verlander would take less than Scherzer. So that's how they agreed. You think it's like a coincidence? Wow, we view Verlander and Scherzer the exact same. We're going to pay him both $43 million. Give me a break. It was all done purposefully. And it didn't work. It's not the end of the world. But the back and forth, I always wanted to stop those back and forth. I wanted to get the last word. But then I wanted it to be over, which, of course, is what having the last word means. The Mets and Steve Cohn are spending money on their infrastructure, on their farm system, on their major league roster. You can't just grow by hiring free agents. And that goes for your baseball team and it goes for your analytics department. It doesn't just happen overnight where you bring in the best of the best and all of a sudden you've got an analytics department that's as good as best in class, which has always been the Astros, cheating or not. Will the Mets analytics department exceed and be better than the Astros one day? I actually do believe that. Stephen Cohn understands the importance of it, buys into it, and has the resources to build it. But it just doesn't happen with the snap of a finger, even in three years of snapping fingers. But there is no upside at all to the back and forth with your player or ex-player. So my suggestion to Steve and to other officials or players within the Mets, go full Idina Menzel. Let it go. My advice to Justin Verlander, be present and get yourself another ring. Let it go. In order for Houston to get a ring this year and defend their title, they're going to have to get past the Braves. And the Braves look to be unstoppable. Granted, we are in the middle of August. In two months, we will be in the middle of October. Two, that's really the dumbest thing ever. Cut that out of the show. It's ridiculous. Two months from August 15th is October 15th. Well, that's some value added from nothing personal. 2769. Two months from today, the LCS will begin. And we will begin to learn whether the Astros will be able to defend their title or whether the Braves will continue their regular season dominance, carry that into and through October. But it was pretty clear from last night's game the Atlanta Braves are better than the New York Yankees. And in one game, you can't really, anything can happen. So am I saying that the Royals are better than the Mariners or that the Oakland A's are better than the team they beat when they win 30 games? No, but you look at that Braves lineup, 
even with Ozzie Albies hurt now on the injured list, to those of you who heard my segment about the four players on the Braves playing 162 games and telling you it wasn't going to happen, I am not responsible for Ozzie's injury. But it does seem coincidental. But when you've got Nicky Lopez stepping in, setting records, you've got a victory for the Braves. We are 111 and 111. Before I give you my pick of the day, a special shout out to a father and son listening to this show. Reagan Cunningham, please tell your father happy birthday and I appreciate your loyalty. I love when families listen to this show together and they tell me that it's 45 minutes a day that they get to connect with their family. That makes me smile. I don't believe that I have ever gone back to back with picks, Coca. There's no way that you're gonna go through 800 days, 800 shows, but we're going the Braves over the Yankees again. Luis Severino's pitching for the Yankees tonight, and I would simply like to tell you that Luis Severino has zero chance against the Braves lineup. They're starting him because how many openers can you have if you're the Yankees? I think they went three straight games with openers recently. The New York Yankees. Now they've got injuries, of course, but sheesh, you need starting pitching depth, Brian, you know that. I'm gonna give you an official wait to see right now. Wait to see is when we tell you something's gonna happen and we'll revisit it either way. And this will be a quickie. Severino will not start another game for the Yankees this year. After tonight. I predict that Severino is gonna get shelled by the Braves offense, which is the best offense I've ever seen. And the Yankees are gonna look at Severino who gives up 12 to 19 runs per inning. And they're gonna say, uncle. They're gonna wave the checkered hanky and say, we cannot start him again this year. Wait to see. All right, let's talk a little soccer. Lionel Messi has a big game tonight. They're playing the League's Cup semifinals in Philadelphia against the Philadelphia Union. I was struck by a couple things that are going on with Messi and his entree into Major League Soccer. Number one, he's the best player in the league. Number two, it's not like Beckham who came into the Galaxy at the end of his career. Messi is still good. I love Lebetard's line. He's playing with a bunch of plumbers that obviously is not being very charitable toward the other professional soccer players. That said, Messi does look like a man among boys. Miami has not lost a game since Messi started. Money is pouring in supposedly to Inter Miami. Two teams that are hosting Inter Miami. But of course, we then look at the resale market and realize that people are buying these tickets to sell them, trying to figure out how to make money off Messi. Everybody's trying to make money off Messi. Is it working? Are team finances truly that changed, impacted by Messi's arrival? Do we know for sure that Apple is getting so many more subscribers that MLS is able to monetize that in a way that they didn't before Messi. 
You can announce all the documentaries you want. You can announce sold out games. You can announce ticket demand like nobody's business. You can say my team's now worth over a billion dollars. You can say that my revenues are gonna double, but show me the money. Having been the author of so many snippets of perception for people to believe that things were going well with the team or not going well, whatever we needed to further our narrative of the moment. Major League Soccer must further the narrative that Messi's arrival has lifted all tides, all ships with the tide. All franchise values are up. All teams are increasing their revenue. Miami leading the way, helping to encourage other teams to cut these types of deals, to spend this type of money. It is not proof when you say something's happened, that it's actually happened. There has to be a transaction. Having the Philadelphia Union head coach, Jim Curtin, plead with the public not to resell tickets to tonight's game, to make sure they have a home crowd. We've seen that. Teams only selling tickets to games who live in a certain zip code, trying to keep the home court advantage, home field advantage. It's poppycock. Both in that people aren't gonna listen to that and also that it actually increases the revenue of the team. It's the resale market. The team already got their price for their ticket. I'm fascinated by what's gonna happen going forward. We can say that Messi has sparked increases in the league pass, that merchandise is out of control. Social media is growing. Inter Miami kept promoting. We have more followers than every other team combined. Well, here's a question. So what? What are you doing with that? Are you getting paid to post on the Inter Miami site? Are you getting increased sponsorship deals that we're not aware of because you've got more social media followers? Are any of those extra social media followers even in the United States? At this point, as Rob Lowe and James Belushi would say, we do not know. That's a call out to a great old movie called About Last Night. I love the business discussion of Messi, but I love the fact that we actually don't know. But we will, just not today. There are certain things that we do know today, and I end the show with four minutes, a conversation, about Neymar. Neymar, we don't need to go through the whole story because if you don't know, then read about it. He's playing in Saudi Arabia. He's getting about $100 million a year. His team PSG got about $98 million or euros as a transfer fee. And then it came out yesterday that in addition to the huge contract that Saudi Arabia gave him, his contract includes the following perks. Get ready for jealousy. One, a huge house with a staff. That's cool. I get that. Two, a private plane at his disposal. Hey, I want to go to Vegas. No problem. Hey, I want to go to Miami. Done. 
Hey, I want to go to Qatar. Well, not, not quite done. Private plane at his disposal. Pretty good. How about this? 80,000 euros for every team win. Hell yeah. Rich people like extra money. He would want that. That's a great bonus. 80,000 euros anytime Al Halal win a game. Done. And then I saw the following perk bonus in his contract. 500,000 euro for every post or story that he puts on his social media account. But it can't be a story about going to the beach with your kids. It can't be a story about where you're having dinner. If you want the 500,000 euros, guess what? It has to be a post that promotes Saudi Arabia. Oh my God, I'm disgusted. Sports washing at its finest. It's not enough that we're getting all the players and we've got all the money. Now we're going to start some bribing. Because it doesn't matter that Neymar makes 100 million euro in his contract. When you can get half a million euro for a post, you go through and say, well, I've got the following expenses. I really want to buy that car. I really want to do this. I want to buy this business. I want to, instead of becoming a millionaire, I want to be a billionaire. Everybody wants more. That's nature. You think Hamilton invented the concept of never being satisfied? And to make it so blatant. Now, it is true that Neymar has 212 million followers on Instagram. Can you imagine if Saudi Arabia contacted LeBron James and said, listen, you've got 157 million followers. We want to give you $420,000. Every time you post anything that promotes Saudi Arabia and how great it is and how much fun you're having and how everyone's got to visit. LeBron James would tell them to pound sand. Every US athlete would tell them to pound sand. But they're trying. What happens if the minority investor in the Washington Wizards goes to a Washington Wizard player and says, listen, we're gonna try to get around the salary cap. We're gonna do a personal services deal with you. But it's promoting Saudi Arabia, you're allowed to do that. You think that would be kosher? You think any player would do it? The answer has been no so far, but those no's are turning into yeses. Because when Saudi Arabia can throw money around the way it is now, it gets harder and harder for everyone to turn it down. Everyone's got a price. 500,000 euros? Hi, I'm Neymar, and I gotta tell you, I am really enjoying my time in Saudi Arabia. Come watch our team play. Excuse me, I'll take half a million euro because it's just business. Sorry to all the families impacted by all the crime. It's nothing personal.